You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Ailing Senator John McCain has stated that he does not want President Trump to attend his funeral. McCain said it's nothing personal, it's just that there's limited seating, and he gave the last ticket to the guy who tortured him in Vietnam. listener. I hope there's more than one of you. And welcome back to VSP with Steve Patterson. I remain Steve Patterson. This week, I sit down with teenage activists Hannah Alper and Taylor Fulton Gurgis to talk about why teenage activism is important and what us older than teenagers can do to help. You'll also hear my audio letter to North and South Korea and how the prospect of their reunion can set an example for the entire world and maybe make up for my troubled childhood. And you'll hear from our Catholic correspondent, Jennifer McAuliffe, on Pope Francis announcing there might not be a hell. And of course, we're going to have a commercial for a product that doesn't exist until we get sponsors who do exist. But first, here's a few stories from around the world that we think should be made fun of. Bob Dylan is getting into the liquor business, releasing a line of whiskey called Heaven's Door, which of course is a reference to his famous, well-known oldness. A Brinks truck in Indiana spilled hundreds of thousands of dollars on the highway when the back doors accidentally opened. So of course, motorists scrambled to pick up as much cash as they could. Finally, a successful real-life example of trickle-down economics. A Michigan man has asked Air Canada how many retweets it would take for him to get a free flight to meet his online girlfriend in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. And Air Canada, being the kind airline it is, said it will take 530,000 retweets for the free flight and another 650,000 for the first checked bag. You're all hard, Air Canada. In royal news, Meghan Markle's parents will both take part in her upcoming royal wedding according to an announcement that was probably given in a British accent. It wasn't certain at first if they'd both be allowed to attend since her dad divorced her mom, declared bankruptcy, and moved from the States to Mexico when Meghan was six years old. But the announcement also included the fact that he is an Emmy Award-winning lighting director. And if there's one thing all royals can benefit from, it's award-winning lighting. The band Aerosmith wrote a song for the new SpongeBob SquarePants musical on Broadway. And I just realized I do want to miss a thing. And finally, according to Golf Digest, the Vatican is scrambling after Pope Francis announced hell no longer exists. But you may want to keep in mind this came from Golf Digest. And if you're interested enough in golf to subscribe to Golf Digest, you may already be in hell. All right, as a somewhat lapsed Catholic myself, I need to know more about this. Maybe there's no hell thing, so please welcome our Catholic correspondent here at VSP, Jennifer McAuliffe, in what we're going to call the Sin Bin. Jen, peace be with you. And also with you, Steve. Oh, this is off to a good start. We're, uh, we're both Catholic, uh, but you have a theology degree, is that right? Almost. I have three quarters of a theology degree. Well, how do you have three quarters of a degree? What happened to the other quarter of your theology degree. How many quarters do you have, Steve? All right. You win this round, McAuliffe, (laughs) but I'll be back. Look, if there's no hell, 
isn't that what's supposed to keep Catholics from committing the seven mortal sins, the threat of hell? If your friends are only nice to you because they're afraid of hell, they're not your real friends. Not a bad point. All right. If there's no hell, there's no devil. Is that what is that? Did Pope Francis just say there's no devil? No, not exactly. So, as you know, St. Michael, the hot archangel, cast the devil to hell. But if the Pope's right and hell no longer exists, where the devil lives is now up for debate. He's probably sleeping on someone's couch like a drummer. Okay, so the devil is a is a couch surfing drummer now. Uh, did you call Saint Michael the hot archangel? Did that just come out of your mouth? Oh yeah. Unlike Saint Gabriel, who's all talk, Saint Mike actually did something. You know, a, a take charge kind of archangel. A gal can really get behind in catechism classes. Plus, the topless statues of him stepping on the lizard devil in the cathedral. Come on. I uh, you've you've lost me, but more so you've you've lost your your yourself. Uh, you're fantasizing <laughs> about devils here. She's talking about topless angels, Alex. Can we say this on a on a? Yeah, I guess so. All right. We'll Why not? Going. Abdominals are very important to Catholicism. It shows the strong moral core. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's working on a couple levels. Is this covered by papal infallibility? Because the Pope said it, do we have to believe it's true? Well, technically, papal infallibility is only when he says something on a special chair. But he's not a sit-around Pope. He's a Jesuit. They like shaking hands and walking around. He could always repeat himself later on the throne. Okay, interesting. So it's not doctrine yet, but will the Catholic Church make this official, do you think? I doubt it. The Vatican's acting like getting rid of hell is a Vatican't. Uh, well, you're pretty happy with yourself for that one, aren't uh -huh. you? You look like you just had divine intervention yourself. Uh -huh. Can the Pope lose his job over this? No. Plus, Steve, he's the chill Pope. He tweets. He takes selfies. He's not afraid to get fired. Pope F. Diddy doesn't see what the big deal is. He's really making a name for himself as a cool stepdad of Popes. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Papa Frank started washing the Pope mobile in jean cutoffs. Okay. Well, either Pope F. Diddy, Papa Frank, jean cutoffs. I think we've angered our religious listeners enough for one segment. Uh, we're definitely going to continue this conversation in future podcasts, and we will get angry letters uh, of wrath. Can I send them to you, Jen? Oh, sure. Can't wait for a good wrathing. Okay, send your wrath letters to at VSPpod on Twitter, uh, or you can find Jennifer McAuliffe uh, in mass on Sunday. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Steve. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably wondering when someone will try and sell you a food delivery service. Well, guess what? It's happening. Because you need Podcast Food Box. You're a busy professional who doesn't have time to go to the grocery store, drive home, put food in the fridge, take food out of the fridge, put food on the counter, and then make something edible. With Podcast Food Box, we'll go to the grocery store for you. Then deliver the food to your home where you'll put the food in the fridge, take the food out of the fridge, put the food on the counter and make it into something edible. So much easier. Got a big date to impress? Let Podcast Food Box do the meal planning for you so you can plan to get busy on that podcast mattress you bought last week. Order now using the promo code VSP and you'll get 10% more respect from your neighbors who'll wish they had a box of food waiting for them on their front porch. Podcast Food Box. Now you can cook at home, even if you can't. VSP! And now, Steve Patterson reads a letter he wrote, but didn't know where to send. Dear North and South Korea, As a person whose parents got divorced when I was eight, I'm really happy you two are talking about getting back together. 
Firstly, because I think families are better off with two parents at the helm, even if one of those parents is a crazy control freak. And secondly, because denuclearization really is the best choice for a happy nuclear family. Of course, talking about getting back together and actually doing it are two very different things. Like when my dad said to my mom, maybe there's still a chance, back when I was seven. Or when North Korea said they would stop making nuclear weapons in the years 1985, 2003, 2006, 2012, and 2015. Still, I'm optimistic that this time will be different for you two, based on the unprecedented goodwill of North Korea's Kim Jong-un meeting with South Korea's Moon Jae-in in the demilitarized zone last week. This never happened with my parents because one or both of them remained militant in pretty much any zone they occupied together after their divorce. And really, you two never got formally divorced. You were both part of the Japanese Empire, and when that empire fell at the end of World War II, you were divided along the 38th parallel with the Communist North being controlled by the Russians and the non-Communist South being controlled by the Americans. Just like when my parents broke up and my brother Ross went with my dad while I went with my mom. I won't say which was north and which was south, but dad hosted a lot of parties at his place while mom wouldn't let anyone into our house and she put me through a lot of marching for no apparent reason. Of course, things escalated horrifically for you two in 1950 when South Korean President Syngman Rhee brazenly boasted that he was going to attack North Korea. This proved a good enough excuse for the North to invade the South, hence beginning the Korean War that lasted until 1953 and cost thousands of lives on both sides, including allied troops from America and Canada. So you see, guys, boasting isn't just childish and foolish, it can actually be deadly. A valuable lesson for the present day, where at least one world leader I think you're both familiar with makes brazen boasts on a daily basis. Let's not let him be the Singman Rhee of this generation. Even if he does try to take credit for you two getting back together, we all know better than to believe anything he says. The important thing is, you have a chance to make a reunion happen that would unite millions of people and set an example of peace heard all around the world. And if that's not enough for you, it would kind of make up for my troubled childhood. Yours hopefully, Steve Patterson. Alright, it's time for this week's guests, and yes, I said guests, plural. We've all seen the important work being done by teenage activists in the United States with the March for Our Lives. Here in Canada, there is strong support for that movement, as well as a proud tradition of our own teenage activists making a difference all around the world. And here to talk about it this week are two young ladies who play an integral part in the We Day movement. Please welcome Hannah Alper and Taylor Fulton Gurgis. Let's get right into it, if we could. For those not familiar with We Day, which I know you can't believe there are some people in the world that aren't, because I love it, but could you guys tell us a little bit about We Day and how you got involved with it? Hannah? Yeah, sure. So um, I found out about We Day when I was 10 years old, and I'm 15 now, because at the time, I was really passionate about the environment. And then I learned about the We organization, and We makes doing good doable. They build schools all around the world and they try and they are eradicating poverty and because they believe that education is a key to poverty and they are doing that by empowering youth to change the world to create change unbelievable and yet believable because it's happened thank yes. you for that now taylor you're in on the social media side yeah at we day uh, um, can you explain a little bit about how the importance of that 
Yeah, so um, I decided after finishing high school, I decided to take a year off and I was given the opportunity to work on the social media team for WE. So I travel with the WE Day Tour and go over Canada, the US and the UK and cover the live events. So that's like Instagram story, um, tweeting live as well as our Facebook live clips. So and the of course this whole movement really started we day in particular with mm-hmm. uh, with Mark and Craig Kielberger and I'm going to ask you ladies right now uh, because Craig might might be the genuinely nicest human being that I know Mark and Craig are such incredible people I, I Craig started the we organization when he was 12 years old That's right. because he learned about child labor and he was so stricken by it and he was so angry that he decided to go to his classroom rip out this article in the paper about a 12-year-old boy who had been killed for speaking out against child labor. And he said, I don't know much about child labor, but I know it's wrong. Who's going to join me to stop it? And 11 hands raised up and they called themselves the 12 12-year-olds. They had to change the name <laughs> when someone turned 13. Um, but now they're <laughs> it's the WE organization is growing and growing. And Mark and Craig are so dedicated yeah. to their jobs. And I mean, both Taylor and I know they're some of the kindest men like you'll ever meet. They're kind and passionate. I, I pretty much fangirled when I first met them when I was 10 years old. Hey, I, I fangirled when I met right? them. And I was a 38-year-old I man. I know. Exactly. Any, anyone would. And I, But they're just, they're such kind people that at the the heart of who they are they always have they they just have such a big heart you've got a great uh, uh equation that you live by oh yeah <laughs> it, what uh, could you share it with us yeah so i actually i we gave it to me so i asked okay. craig and mark mm-hmm. if i could take the equation and t- talk about it to other people and they said yes and so the equation is issue plus gift equals change yes you find your issue first so that's your cause that thing that you're passionate about it might be the environment poverty education anything and then you find your gift that's your talent it could be comedy public speaking blogging social media anything that you're good at and you put those two together and you make a difference i see and it's just so matter of fact the way you say it and i love it and yet mm-hmm. people a lot of people can't get past that starting point of what am I getting? What is because one it's overwhelming. There are so many issues in the world that are so overwhelming. I mean, listen, gun violence is a pretty overwhelming issue. But I mean, after Parkland, those kids found that issue that they were passionate about after going through such a traumatic experience. They used their gift of their story, their connections, and their ability to public speak, and they are creating so much change. And so. I mean, you're you're completely right. Thank you, Hannah. We're gonna save that for uh, just for future reference to any guest on this show that she was talking about me. She said I'm completely right. Uh, Taylor, yes. let me talk to you about the social media side of things because mm. lots of people have things to say. Some good, some not so good. How challenging is it to work for an organization like We Day to be spreading? Uh, the, the good, the positive messages. Well, I think that's what it's all about. And it's even educating kids on, you know, how to use social media and that there are so many like positive ways to do it and as well as just balance and not feeling overwhelmed by social and starting the conversation with youth to connect. Now, I'm going to bring it up uh, a little bit demographically mm-hmm. because uh, the social media can be intimidating more so for people that are uh, beyond their youth, like my producer Alex is quite old. Um <laughs> Some people don't really even know how to how to get a toe into social media in a similar way that they wouldn't know how to make a change in the world with the the gift they've been given. So do you have suggestions for people, hopefully people with positive <laughs> messages to get out on social media, yeah. uh, some some do's and don'ts? 
I think um, with social, it's all about just having fun as well. And that's what it is meant for. And, you know, creating content and creating, sharing your story. And it's just another way of writing, sharing photos and just impactful messaging. And I think that's what we do with we is with every photo. There's also an impact with the caption, which is, I think, the most important thing. Now, can you ladies talk uh, to, because uh, there's clearly some people that don't know how to use social media <laughs> properly. Uh, can we just agree as a couple different generations that I don't think it's necessary to show someone the meal that you're about to eat when I'm not about to eat it. Uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that's what Instagram is I to mean, me. It's stuff yeah. that I don't get to eat. Well, I think that social media can be used for so many different things. And I think that, you know, all the time adults are like to my generation, like, oh my gosh, why are you taking pictures of your food? Or, oh, why are you on your phone so much? Don't use social media. But I think that rather than saying, don't use social media, maybe say, hey, instead of using social media to talk about what food you're having, why don't you talk about this issue in the world? Or why don't you look at Wee's Instagram Mm -hmm. and share some of the impacts that they're creating? And if people want to take pictures of their food, I say go for it. Maybe they're really into that food culture. Maybe they want to be food critic when they're older. I you know, agree. It's all about, I think, just like sharing what you love. And That's if what you social do media love, is. That you? Social media exactly. is sharing what you love. Like social media isn't, or at least Instagram, isn't a place for the, the news, really. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what a lot of Twitter is for. And I think our generation in general, like we're so like, you are supposed to share what you're doing all the time. Oh, that's yeah. become the norm. So that's also where you break it down to what you're posting on each platform where Twitter is used for more news and articles where Instagram is just what you're doing every day. But that's what Instagram has really always been for. But now it's more and more getting into the whole idea of social media for social good, which I'm like so happy about. You ladies, yeah. I have to admit, are winning me over just with your sheer positivity <laughs> about this. And I don't want to be a, a curmudgeon about social media, but how do you suggest that they deal with that, some of that uh, negativity that gets aimed at them? Is do you completely ignore it? Do you try to address someone that's negative to you with positivity? What do you think is the best way to I deal with it? I think like the main issue with social is that people always share the ideal world that they're living and they never share the actual real moments. And like we all go through stuff and in different ways. So I think Nobody's life is perfect. Exactly. Nobody's right. life is as perfect as it is on social media. Right. So that's when you right. look at someone like, I, you know, like there's a bunch of like girl bloggers and they look like they have the perfect life, the perfect boyfriend, the perfect house, perfect yeah. outfit. But they're not actually sharing those, you know, all the bad things happening. So I think also being able to get real with your followers and just like your community that like, you know, I'm also going through this. And I think that's the gap that's missing. I know Chelsea Clinton on Twitter, um, when someone says something rude to her on social media, she replies with, have a great day, you too, buddy. And then she replies, "Um, okay, everybody say everybody say a great day to at this person. And then she, this person gets all of Inundated, these. Right. right. And so it gets all of these overwhelming things with, oh, have a great day, John, every day, blah, 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 blah. But it's, it's really overwhelming the negativity with positivity. And I think that that's a really big thing of it. I mean, just spreading the positivity because combating the negativity with more ne- negativity it's just two negatives don't make a positive. I right. think that's exactly. uh yeah. that's math. Maybe not. I it don't is, know where it is. It is. I'm in grade nine math. I just <laughs> Is I that right? That. I haven't yes. been in grade nine at two negatives. All right. We got it. We're figuring yeah. out math today as a bonus. There you go. There are a lot of people out there, I'll use the march for our lives, but it similarly I'm sure happens with We Day. There's a lot of adults who look at 
groups of youth doing something and they just can't believe it they took their own initiative and did this they do, there are people they're, they're surprised <laughs> there are people that believe that uh, you know the Mar- march for our lives advocates are are paid actor child actors instead of crisis what, actors what, it's, yeah it's insane what what do you do you, do you even mm-hmm. take the time to respond to that or, or what do you what do you do um well i'll give you like an example i mean it was maybe two months ago, um, I got tagged in a post, and it was a very nice post by the government of Canada. They posted about me on one of their, like, general affairs page or something, and it was it was very nice. They gave me, like, a full bio and said that, you know, I'm a youth activist that's creating change. And there was this woman that commented below, and she was like, she should be playing with her friends outside. Right. She should be worrying about her math homework. She shouldn't have to worry about the world's problem, she doesn't have time to go change the world. And I replied and I said, well, it's everyone's responsibility and to make a difference. And everyone has the capacity and has the ability to create change. And why shouldn't I, as a 15-year-old, be able to go out into the world and change the world? There are so many tools in the world that are specifically there for my generation to make a difference. Yeah, our generation's uh, gotten a lot of like, I feel like flack for using our like yes. phones or just using technology. Yeah. But it's like the little things of if I go into a meeting and I'm on my phone, it's automatically assumed that I'm, you know, on Instagram. But it's a way of taking notes. It's like we can, you know, we all use technology in the classroom now. What can those of us who are beyond that demographic do to help do you ladies have any I feel suggestions like it's, again like just like understanding the way our generation works and you know understand that it is on social and that's where we are so you know i know my parents are so supportive of like social my mom's even got instagram and her dad is amazing <laughs> <laughs> and like you know like they're starting to get more involved and like see how we are using our tools so i think for them just understand mm, yeah i would say understanding and supporting i mean mm-hmm. i know that I could not do anything of what I do um, making a difference without my parents and without my family. I mean, they've supported me through everything that I've been going, that everything that I'm doing. If your kid isn't making a difference, try to educate them on some of the issues. My parents were the ones that uh, started educating me on climate change and deforestation and animal habitat loss. That was what inspired me to start a blog. So, talk to them about the issues in the world there's so many things that you can do as a parent and as an adult to help support my generation uh, speaking about role models and i know that's those are very important mm-hmm. especially to you hannah you talk about it in your book which uh by the way we're, we're not gonna get to talk about the book enough but uh you should absolutely oh, pick it up momentous small acts big change you talk about role models uh and how to find them so I love you have a phrase about you started collecting role models sort of by just yes. uh, approaching them and writing to them. And um, can you go over a bit of that advice for someone to, to reach out beyond their their immediate network at home to find their role model? Yeah, well, I mean, I really believe everyone does need a role model to help guide them in their journey. And it doesn't I mean, in the people that I interviewed for my book, a lot of them were uh, worldwide activists or some celebrities that are creating change. I interviewed people like YouTuber Lily Singh and whatever. But also um, and something important to remember is that a role model doesn't have to be someone that's um, a celebrity. It can be your mom, it can be your dad, your teacher, your coach. It could be someone that defines the path that you want to go on, defines the that who they are inspires them. Maybe it's not what they do, but it might be their characteristics. It might be their 
capacity for empathy and for compassion. And I do believe that everyone has a role model, but I mean, you were talking about going beyond your social network. That's what I did. I mean, I went to my social network (laughs) to find my role models. And I mean, I used my connections. We Day has really helped me with that. Yeah. Um, During my year off at We, it was actually one of the amazing things. I actually do a mentorship program. So every week I meet with like my mentor and role model just for an hour to go over, you know, life stuff and how I'm going to move forward in my career and teaching me skills in the workplace. And that's been huge. I mean, definitely my parents are my role models, but I feel like in this mentorship program, I've learned a lot. Is it that simple to reach out to people that uh, online that you respect and just, uh, I guess, write a nice introduction of yourself and, and uh, ask ask to have a little conversation? I feel like it's become the, like, the norm now with social yeah. media. and People want to be mentors. I think that people want to yeah. be mentors to people. All right. Well, we're gonna. We've had. We've talked about some serious stuff in a very fun way, which is exactly what I what I wanted to do with this. I just do want to talk about one important part of this show. One thing that we can do, in addition to learning things and hopefully having some laughs, is to donate directly to charity for all of our guests that come in and help. I'm guessing We Day might be the cause that you guys would like to support, but I know you support a lot of different things. So, Hannah, where can we direct a donation to? Oh, um, that's hard. Um, I know you work with a lot of them. Let me think about that for a second. Taylor, do you want to do... Um, yeah, I um, guess. Um, so I would say We For Sure. I actually have my own um, little organization under We. It's called Taylor Empowered. So that goes towards supporting a women's empowerment center in Kenya. You know, so they can have the opportunity to go to school and get, get access to technology as well. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah. We're going to direct people there. Hannah? Um, okay, so uh, my donation is going to go to we. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Smart. Well, uh, I, it's, it's an amazing organization. I've been working <laughs> sure with them is. for six years. And they Honestly, they continue to inspire me. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on this and we're going to help spread the word that you guys are uh, that you guys all the good stuff that you guys are doing we really appreciate it on uh, on behalf of my uh, generation I agree that you guys are the leaders of today and tomorrow so thank you for all you're doing you. uh, please keep doing it and keep showing us the way thank you so much thank you so much cheers and that's it Our second episode of VSP is in the podcast books. Thanks again to our guests, Taylor Fulton-Gurgis and Hannah Alper, and of course our Catholic correspondent, Jennifer McAuliffe. Be sure to check out Hannah's book, Momentous, Small Acts, Big Change. If you'd like to donate to Hannah and Taylor's charity of choice, we.org, please go to neversleepsnetwork.com and follow the links. And be sure to listen to our third episode next Wednesday, when we'll be talking to music broadcast trailblazer, Denise Donlin, who won the Walt Grealis Special Achievement Award at the 2018 Juno. We'll be talking about the state of the Canadian music industry and her fascinating place in it. Follow us at VSP Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and check us out on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Until next week, I'm Steve Patterson. VSP is a Funny Patty Inc. and Never Sleeps Network production. Produced by me, Alex Ross, and associate producer Diana Francis. Written by Steve Patterson with Diana Francis, John Steinberg, and Jennifer McAuliffe. Edited by Joseph Vianney. For more information about VSP and other great Canadian podcasts, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. And please, follow our socials at VSP Pod and Never Sleeps Net. See you next Wednesday. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.